Romans 1, 16-25. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. He gives it to us because He loves us, and it's true. It's given in love. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Your word. Uh, This is a challenging passage. This passage may offend. This passage may make us angry if we take it seriously and see what it's really saying about us. And so, Jesus, we just ask that you would do what you intend to do with these words. We ask that you would show up by your Holy Spirit in a special way tonight and actually change us. That we would believe something we walked in here not believing and understand something we walked in here not understanding. And most of all, that we would walk away seeing you a little more clearly and loving you a little bit more. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, welcome to RUF. Glad you're here. Uh, RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship. We're a messy bunch of hypocrites trying to follow Jesus together. So if you look around the room, you're like, hang on a second. I know what they did on the weekend. Yeah, messy bunch of hypocrites. And if you're in here and you're like, Man, honestly, I feel like I don't really belong here. These people look pretty tidy, and I didn't see them at the party. You belong here, too. We're a messy bunch of hypocrites because Jesus came for people like us, right? So we're just trying to, see, trying to see Jesus and learn how to follow him on this campus, and we hope that you'll join us. So we're glad you're here tonight. My name is Willis. I'm the campus pastor with RUF. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, would love to. Uh, it doesn't have to be weird. I don't know what like meeting with a pastor meant at your church growing up. If it had to be like a big deal or like you had to really messed up, that is not what it's like uh, with me. We can talk about uh, lifting or music or movies or ice baths. I'm super into ice baths. Anybody else? Is that an old man thing? Okay, a couple, one or two. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, we're talking about anything. But the, the one thing I really want you to know about me is that I'm not a good person, but Jesus loves me. And he loves you. And that changes everything. And tonight, I hope, we will see how Jesus changes the way we see ourselves. This music stand is about to get an elbow, so i got to move it. It's like cramping my space. There we go. All right. 
So, story. Um, I recently discovered something. I need oxygen. That took me 33 years, but I discovered that I need it. I always knew I needed it. Like I knew that, you know, oxygen, obviously I need it, breathing, everything. But most of the time, I don't actually feel the need. I don't really feel the need for oxygen. It's just kind of automatic breathing in and out. But this morning I took an ice bath. I'm just gonna push ice baths really hard today. Like every illustration, ice bath. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I took, a, I took an ice bath this morning. And um, anybody heard of the Wim Hof method? It's like breathing. Oh, more than I thought, cool, okay. So I'm not that, thank you. Back in the back, you got me, Stephen. I appreciate you. It's a breathing thing, and it's all about getting your blood oxygenation up. And part of doing it is you breathe out all the way. You kind of like force extra air out of your lungs that normally kind of stays in. So your lungs are totally empty. And then you just kind of like hold that like negative pressure breath with zero oxygen in your lungs, which is not that comfortable. <laughs> it doesn't feel that good. And after 15 seconds, you know you need oxygen. I realized, oh wow, like I desperately need oxygen. The big question tonight is, do you need the gospel? Do you need it? And might it be possible to need the gospel desperately, even if you don't feel like you need it? You might not have walked in here tonight feeling like you do need the gospel, or Jesus, or God, or church. In our passage tonight, God wants to help us see and believe and feel our need for the gospel. And he gives us two reasons. We need the gospel. Just two. We give God up, and God gave himself up for us. We give God, God, we, we give God up, and God gave himself up for us. From Romans 1. Point one. We give God up. Verse 21. Verse 21. We're kind of skipping down a little midpoint in our passage here. Verse 21. They, humanity, humanity without God, all of us without God, they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So this verse, you know, birds, images, creeping things, that's talking about this practice common in the ancient Near East, common even many parts of the world, as many of you know, and have visited places like this where idol worship is still a thing. You know, worshiping like a little idol made of stone or metal or something. We don't really do that, so it's hard for us to relate, but this passage talks about kind of the same thing in a different way in verse 25 that is a bit easier to relate to. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. The creation rather than the one who created it. So in biblical cosmology, <laughs> the way the Bible describes all things there's really just two categories. Maker, made. God, creation. So if it's not God, it's something that was made by God. And of course, all kinds of awful things have happened in what God has made, including evil, and there's like stuff we could say about that. But overall, God, stuff God made. So, we, as a class of creatures that God has made, humans, we tend to worship the stuff God made instead of God himself. That's all this is saying. In this picture, I would argue the, the true picture of the universe, where there's just God and stuff that he made, it is crazy for anything God made to be centered on or pointed towards or focused on 
or in, in any sense like out of line with God himself. You see how weird that would be? If God is the creator and he made everything, the idea that anything God made to be in somehow like at odds with him or out of whack with him is weird. How could that even happen? Because, you know, he, he made us to worship him. He made us to experience him, to be with him. We were made to worship God. And when I say worship, what I mean is live our lives for him. Like that's my point is for God. We're made to enjoy Him above all else. We're made to find our identity and our purpose in Him. We're made to experience Him as He is and therefore celebrate Him as the best thing on earth or out of the earth, which He is. And the problem, Romans says, is that instead of worshiping God, we just worship the stuff that He made, which makes no sense. Anna, I'm going to start, tell a story on Anna real quick. She, I get, got permission from Anna on this one. So, uh, Anna loves concerts. Everybody look at Anna. She loves this. Everybody look at Anna. Anna loves concerts. Okay, look back at me. <laughs> uh, Anna loves concerts. Who doesn't? We all love concerts. Anna has seen Taylor three times. Taylor Swift. I mean, why not? Taylor's amazing, right? We all love Taylor. Uh, she saw Ayers tour recently. Uh, the band Camino, one of Ava's favorite band. Who knows the band Camino? Okay. Yeah, you're supposed to put the V in the front. The V band Camino. Six times, right? Six concerts. We love concerts. Something special about, you know, this music that you love, you go and you have this experience where you're with the person or the, the band that makes the music that you love. And it's this experience where you're not only experiencing it from them in a way that no one else will ever experience it unless they're there in that moment, but you're also with other people who are also enjoying it and the lights and like the feel of the speakers in your chest, all of that stuff. It's an awesome experience. We love concerts. Now, it, you know, it's worth the 50 to 100, 200 plus dollars you spend on it. Would you spend 50 to 100, 200 plus dollars and drive for miles, take three hours of your life, just to listen to those exact same songs in your room alone while doing nothing else? Probably not. Most of you probably haven't done that. There's no comparison to the experience. And yet this is what Romans is saying that we do every day by looking at the stuff God made, all the awesome stuff that's all around us that is cool, like legitimately awesome, and we enjoy it, we try to enjoy it and worship it, devote ourselves to it and to getting it without reference to the God who made it. We do this whether we're Christians, not Christians, something we do. When we should enjoy his creation as a gift, as like, a way to relate to the God who gave it to us in the first place. So I, I have three little kids, uh, Judah, Juniper, and James. James is two. We talked about them last week and how all three of them are equally cute, for the record. Uh, they want to do whatever I do. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. It can be the most boring thing. Changing out the toilet paper roll, changing a light bulb, digging a hole in the garden does not matter. They want to do it with me. So James, like the other day, I fired up the lawnmower on the weekend to mow the grass and I like look up, I got my head, my things on and look up the driveway and James is like, dad, dad, need help with my lawnmower over here. And it's like his little starter cord is stuck. And he's like, I got to get the starter cord pulled so we can mow the grass together because he wants to do it with me. I make my work, the small jobs, the big jobs, all of it, I make it about me. Like, this is how I perform. This is how I take care of my family. This is how I be the person I want to be. But for my son James, it's not about me. It's not about him. 
my work, his work, is a way to relate to his daddy, right? That he loves. He has figured something out. He intuits naturally something that all of us are made for. Everything in life is made for us. Just one more chance to be with our Father who made us. Everything. Now, sure, we misuse lots of things, and there's things that we do that we shouldn't do. And it's like, can you experience God while doing this awful thing? No, but th that thing is something good twisted. It's not something bad. It's something that's good that's been twisted, and it was given as a way to connect with God himself. So, our work, our play, our relationships, our grass cutting, all of it, it's just another way to be with our Father, the God who loves you. Did you think that there was another point to all the things that you love? There's not. The point is for you to fully enjoy the good gifts God has given you and He, the giver. That's the point. But we've exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. It's a tragedy that we do this. Like, it's sad. If you believe that, you're like, okay, I'm missing out. I'm missing out on the Father who loves me and wants me to have an experience of a relationship with me, and I'm missing out on that. That's sad. But it's also, this passage says, a crime. It's a crime against heaven. It's a crime against ourselves. It's a crime against our fellow man, and it's a crime against the rest of creation. It's not an innocent mistake. Verse 19, for what can be known about God is plain to them, humanity, everyone, not Americans, not Christians, every human being that's ever lived. What can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they're without excuse. You may have lots of excuses before God, right? You know, and if you, when you think about what you would say to him, you know, at St. Peter's Gate or whatever, um, or, you know, you mess up, you do something you know God didn't want you to do, and you kind of go to him in prayer, and there's kind of like, in the back of your head, maybe some excuses, or someone confronts you about something that you didn't, you know, you shouldn't have done, and you kind of have like a reason, or kind of like a hedge your bets, an excuse. We have lots of excuses. And God's saying, none of them move the needle with him. None of them change the fact that you are guilty. As a human being, a member of the human race, you're guilty. Because you're living in God's world. The rules do not belong to you. You don't make the rules. Your excuses don't count. You're living in God's house. God's rules, he made the house, we're all living in it. And Romans is saying, you might not have known it, but you broke the house rule big time. The house rule is less a rule and just like the nature of reality, God is the best thing that there is. And it's crazy for someone to not enjoy the best thing there is and to instead focus on enjoying the stuff, the stuff that the greatest thing made and be like, I'd rather not have you, God, with it. I'd rather just have the stuff that you give me and go ahead and like, don't tell me how to live my life. I want to do it my way. That's a crime in God's economy. So this is bad news. And you might not agree with it. You might be like, actually, okay, well, that was a little bit harsh. I think actually there are some excuses. But I want to present to you the possibility that sometimes bad news is the news we need. When my knee was hurting after playing basketball with middle schoolers, <laughs> bad idea, 
And I like limped around for a few months, and then I finally went to the doctor, and they were like, you have a torn meniscus, you need surgery. That was bad news, but I needed it, and I got the surgery, and now my knee's better. When I had low energy, poor sleep, felt bad all the time, low appetite, I needed the doctor to tell me, hey, I think you have some moderate depression. That's what it is. And the bad news explained my reality in a way that actually lowered the anxiety for me. I was like, oh, I'm not just like a total mess up. Like I actually have a problem here. What if the reason we spend so much time trying to be a good person, make up for our bad behavior, make something of ourselves, prove ourselves to who for you, impress people. And we spend so much time trying to get what we need is because deep down we feel we know that we're not good enough. That we're not a good person. Romans is saying, yeah, yeah, that's actually true. We're not a good person. Even if you feel like one, Romans is saying, you're not. We're not okay. Not really. We're not impressive, even if everyone around you is impressed. And this is a pretty impressive room. You're at WL. You're making good grades. You look pretty sharp. You're pretty impressive. God, this is not impressed with us on our own. We don't have what we need. And on our own, we're never going to be any of the things we want to be, at least not with God. What if all of your deepest fears about who you really are when nobody's watching are true? You're guilty, unrighteous, ungodly, unworthy. Verse 21, they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. It gets worse, actually, guys. It says, verse 24, Therefore God gave them up and the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. Uh, this God giving us up to these things is the substance of his wrath that's referenced in verse uh, 18. It says his wrath is revealed. This is his wrath. He gives us up to what we want. He's like, okay. You want that? Have at it. Knock yourself out. That's actually pretty terrifying. Have you ever felt like God has given you over in a season of your life to just like, you want to go crazy? Okay, go crazy. The freedom we have as human beings is actually kind of terrifying. You can mess your life up a lot. <laughs> it's possible. There's a very specific like pathway to messing your life up. And a lot of us are on it. And God is saying, actually, in God's perspective of our lives, we're not just on it. We've like successfully completed the whole mess up your life scheme. God is willing to allow us to do our worst, to make our worst decisions, to go head over heels into pride. Not all these are sins that like, you know, people think are that bad. Pride, pot, performance, Academics, alcohol, love of money, love of comfort, love of reputation. Those aren't bad things, but we love them so much. Relationships, substances, sex. Will you embrace the freeing reality that you're not a good person? Will you embrace, will you allow Romans to explain the nagging pain you have in your knee? Everything good and impressive that you bring to the table 
If you roll that in a ball, pack it real tight, put it on God's scale, it doesn't move. The scale doesn't move, guys. Because no matter how many good things you've done, and y'all done a lot of good things. Like, I, I know what your resumes look like. There's this academic section, there's like the professional section, there's like the I'm a good person section, <laughs> like the volunteering and stuff. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you volunteer. None of that makes you a good person, not in God's eyes. Christian or not, churchgoer or not, partier or not, on our own, we are unworthy, guilty before God, deserving no relationship with Him. All we deserve is fear and emptiness and death and hell forever. That's what we deserve. That's the picture of Romans. So that's bad news. And Romans goes pretty hard. It's not scared to give you the bad news that you need, the bad news that might actually explain your reality. But praise God... It doesn't stop there. There's more of the verse. He came to save sinners. He doesn't leave us on our own. Verse 16, beginning of the passage. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. That word gospel, remember, good news. Not bad news, good news. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. And remember, this is the gospel of God. Not your gospel. We have our own, right? We've all got our own good news that we're working, you know, working that program to try to get where we need. God's gospel is better. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul says, for it is the power of God, power of God, for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, and also to the American, and also to the WNL student in this room tonight. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. What is that righteousness? How can we, the unworthy and unrighteous, get right with the God who made us? How can we, who gave God up, get right with Him? We're going to skip to Romans 8.32. And I had to do this because three times in this passage, it talks about an exchange, a giving up. We gave God up. God gave us up to you know, the lusts of our hearts, the things that we wanted. But there's another giving up that happens in Romans. In Romans 8.32, God, who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God gave up his own son, the son of God in power according to his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. God gave him up for those who had given God up. Jesus willingly devoted himself to we who devote ourselves to everything but him. Jesus poured out his blood, sweat, tears for we who pour out our lives for everything, anything but him. Jesus became part of his own creation to make new creations of we, his creatures, who worship the created things rather than the creator. We give God up, yet he gave himself up for us. Because though we're unworthy, unworthy on our own, we're unworthy of his love, he still loved us. He still loves us because of who he is. He loves us enough to pay for our guilt by his death as a substitute for our guilt on the cross, making us innocent in his sight, to offer us all the worthiness of Jesus. All the worthiness Jesus has as the beloved Son of God, the, the Son of God whom his Father loves above all else, that worthiness of just like everything God has, he's going to want to give to Jesus. That's the worthiness that we have in Christ. It's ours by faith. Not by good works. Not by cleaning up your act. Not by going to church. Not by praying. Not by reading the Bible. Not by stopping drinking. Not by stopping having sex. Faith in Christ. That's how it becomes ours. 
if you're here tonight as a Christian, you've been following Jesus for some time, uh, please don't think that Romans 1 isn't for you. Like, okay, yeah, I kind of crossed that bridge a while ago, Willis. I kind of get it, the whole faith thing. When is the next part of Romans going to come? This is for you. This is for me. Each of us, every day, we worship the stuff God made over him every day. It leads us to anxiety, perfectionism, addiction, worry, overthinking, anger, pride, hurry. Wherever you see those things in your life, that thing, like, where is that for you? Is it like in the athletics? Is it in the academics? Is it in the relationships, the social thing, the romantic thing? Wherever you see that, hit your knees in your room tonight and ask God to show you, Lord, how am I worshiping something that you made and gave as a gift to enjoy you? How am I worshiping that thing and trying to have it without you or contrary to your ways? Ask him to show you. If this message is ringing true, and you can kind of you can kind of see how like okay yeah that's me I am worshiping the created things rather than the creator you feel that guilt you feel that unworthiness I want you to lean into that guys take a piece of paper and just list out here's all the ways that I worship stuff God made instead of God all the bad things I've done the things I feel guilty for the things I feel ashamed of not as like self-loathing proof of your shame but so that you can see in detail all the guilt Jesus paid for on the cross with his blood. You know, ev for everyone who turns from their sin and their best efforts to trust Jesus to be worthy enough for the both of you. And present those things to Jesus in prayer, that list. Present that to him. Doesn't have to be a fancy prayer, guys. Maybe like you make a new list every week. <laughs> we got to keep doing this. And say, Jesus, like, this is evidence that I'm not a worthy person. Thank you for being worthy in my place. I trust you and I receive your free forgiveness. And there's no like penance that's due. There's no like, okay, now I gotta really clean up my act this week. You want to obey Jesus because you love him. But there's no like payment that you have to make in order to earn that thing. It's not earned. If you're here tonight, maybe you're on the fence between faith and doubt. Maybe you're not sure where you stand with Jesus. It's like, I don't know, maybe it was kind of a part of my past, but I'm here tonight and I'm not sure if it's gonna be a thing for me in college. I want to say I really respect you for coming here tonight and like sitting through this, which is like pretty intense, just like the Bible. I respect you for being here. So thank you for being here. And I don't expect this word from Romans to be easy. It's not easy. This is something we have to wrestle with. If it feels easy, we might be missing it. It calls you and me guilty and unworthy on our own. And you're free to be angry about that. You're free to be confused. God isn't scared of your emotions. You're free to be honest with God, whatever you feel about this, whatever you think. But I want to invite you to not shrug this off. Like, mm, not really into it. That seems weird. I'm out. I invite you not to shrug this off because the God who if the God, if there's a chance that the God who presents himself to you in this passage is real, he's worth taking seriously because he's the God, last time I checked, only God, who gives himself up for people who have given up on him, or given him himself up, and even hate him. He gives himself up for people like that. That's a pretty cool story. I haven't heard another story, uh, read it in literature, seen it on film, that's as beautiful as that one. So take this seriously. Talk to your Christian friend about it. Come to Fall Conference. Join a small group. Come back to RUF next week. Talk to me and Anna. Take it seriously. We give God up. But he gave himself up for us because he loves us. Amen. Let's pray.
Lord, we ask that you would take this reality, the, the very bad news of our unworthiness on our own, and the very good news that you, in Christ, make us worthy by faith and sink that into our bones, that we would walk around as people who can work hard and play hard and conduct our relationships, our friendships, our romantic relationships in a way that is loved by God and not trying to earn anything in a way that loves others freely because we've been loved so much by you. We, every single person in this room, I, myself, we just need this Jesus. We ask that you would use this to transform our lives. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.